Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend. A podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Anne Friedman. And I'm Amina Tussauds. On this week's agenda, the best moment from the Oscars, Fifty Shades of Grey, a one-sided report (laughs) from one of us who has seen it to one of us who hasn't, what's in a name and married names and should you change your name, money management and one million money apps... Personal updates, personal updates, right? Whew. Yeah, per- total personal updates. What's, what? How's it going, Anne? Tell me what's going on with you. I had a housewarming party this weekend. and Exciting. It was fun. And I, I feel like I unlocked some special 30-something hostessing level because I had this large bottle of spiced rum from Costco that had been in my house for like... I don't know, months and months and months. On I think you mean swag level unlocked. Right, right. Sorry. That's what the kids are. That's what the kids are saying. Swag level unlocked because I was like, how do I get my snobby friends to drink Costco spiced rum, which is the lowest on anyone's list for anything ever? It's like it has not been rebranded like whiskey. Spiced rum is still firmly in the like only on the beach during vacation, and so. I texted my friend Ken, who is a cocktail nerd, and was like, challenge, find a cocktail that I can make ahead that will make my friends drink rum. And I made this punch. I had to juice five million lemons by hand. What kind of animals are you friends with that don't drink rum? I mean, I I don't know how to explain it. It is just, it's not like a cool alcohol. (laughs) What? I feel like everyone is into cocktail. What are you talking about? Listen, I... It's not like you're trying to make people drink vodka. I mean, right. I would never. Like, I'm drawing a line. But, but, you know, I feel (laughs) like for a party in February that is not on a beach, spiced rum is a tough sell. Oh, strongly disagree. Okay. When is the last time you had a party and you were like, the main spirit I'm serving is spiced rum? Um, (laughs) You know, I don't have parties anymore. But I will say this, I've been drinking a lot of rum, and I generally like rum because I like tiki cocktails. There you go. Maybe it's because I have a family history of diabetes, but the tiki cocktail (laughs) is too much for me. That is so offensive to tell a black person about your family history of diabetes. I can't change the medical history. Those are the the facts. (laughs) Maybe we're the only white family in U.S. history with a diabetic, like, gene, but Definitely the only. Definitely the only. Definitely. Um, for anyway. everybody who's going to hate this, it's obviously a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, do we have to? Do we have to start prefacing? Okay, we're 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 actually kidding about this. Actually, you know what? This is sort of exactly like that Justine Sacco AIDS tweet where she was like, "It was obviously a joke that I'm not getting AIDS because I'm a white person. It's obviously a joke that no white people have diabetes. We're like, we're in dangerous territory here." Oh, uh, listen. Well, first of all, we are nothing like Justine Sacco. None of our dads are billionaires, and none of us will land on our like on our feet after we get fired from this podcast. True, true. Um, also, no, it's I true. It's just that people have been really record. vicious. 
people have been really vicious at me on social media lately. So I just feel like, you know, I'm like boundaries, caveats. <laughs> like, right. Like, here's my story. Right. We can't, uh, we can't deploy casual sort of racial humor between the two of us and expect it to just like go over. Okay. We can't. You just, you put me in danger. That's the problem. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway. End of story. All rum was consumed and I broke the garbage disposal due to how many lemon rinds I pushed down it. (laughs) Whoa. It's totally fine. This is like, you know, mostadultproblems.com. There's a reset (laughs) button under the garbage disposal. It was all fine once I was sober. The end. No one lost a hand trying to unclog it. We're all good. (laughs) That's my number one recurring dream is losing my hand in the garbage disposal. I think about it all the time. Like literally all the time I think about it. All Even when I live, like right now in my house, I don't have a garbage disposal. I still have the fear. I mean, it's real. So anyway, shout out to my friend Ken for this rum punch recipe, which I should pass along to you because if you like rum, you will definitely love this cocktail. And that's <laughs> that was my weekend. What about you? I'm really glad you had a housewarming party. I saw some pictures of it and it looked great. So felicidades. On the um, internet. Looked great on the internet. <laughs> looked great on the F-books. <laughs> um, I had a great weekend. I went to Big Sur and I'm so blissed out. Just not having phone reception or internet. It's the best and worst part of that stretch of Highway 1 is how you don't have any cell phone reception. So on one hand, it's like, great, nobody can reach me. But on the other hand, you're like, fuck, I forgot to download my Spotify playlist. (laughs) I have a theory that it's only relaxing if you don't call it digital detox. Like, if you're like, I just went to Big Sur and I happen to not have reception, it's relaxing. But if you're like, I'm going on a digital detox, it's not. I became so good at directions, just going like, okay, this place is south, a.k.a. on the way to Los Angeles in... Mm, like 17 curves I think will be there <laughs> because we didn't have a map or directions to anything I'm like oh it's past that place that looked like a mess like lab <laughs> um but yeah no Big Sur is super great it's just so full of characters got to hang out with some like great old people who have like great 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 stories to tell and I've been going a lot so this was kind of I think this was my third trip in the last like six weeks or making the most of California I'm so California right now I can't even handle it down to like not being able to process the fact that like my friends on the east coast are going through winter every time I scroll through an like an Instagram that's snow I'm like Why is it snowing? It's February. Yeah. In California, (laughs) winter is just an event on the internet. It's like not even a real (laughs) phenomenon. You know, to be fair, it was a little cold in Big Sur. Um... (laughs) Like you had to wear a sweater at night. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I had to wear many sweaters. It was cold. Mm -hmm. Um, It was also beautiful. Went to a rockin' Oscar party. I think maybe the Oscars is the only, it's my favorite thing about California. Oh, watching it earlier in the night, you mean? Yeah, I was like nine o'clock and this shit is over. Yep. I am so excited. So obviously I only half watched it. I actually don't know like all of the stuff that happened because I was surrounded by like hilarious, great people and the most like beautiful dog in the world. And we also had a fantastic dinner. But in general, I think they like it looked like people had fun. The only way to watch the Oscars is to half watch the Oscars. I, I honestly believe that anyone who sits there wrapped at the television for four hours is some kind of sociopath or maybe <laughs> a Hollywood publicist. I don't really. I... <laughs> Can I tell you my favorite moment, though? Please. 
was um well two things one lady gaga singing sound of music was great how did you feel about her steampunk trumpet tattoo i I thought that was gonna be okay her tattoos are terrible (laughs) but you know what that was a different time in everybody's life the trumpet was actually the least worst one the peace sign oh my god i know um tattoo shaming is bad though good for you lady gaga you look great and she's engaged to my favorite human in my favorite tv show called chicago fire I'm the only person in America that watches Chicago Fire. So I have uh, never even heard of this. <laughs> Honestly, ex- never no. even heard of this show. And Chicago Fire will never enter into your media diet. Like, there's just, I don't, outside <laughs> of this conversation, I don't foresee you ever finding out about it. Fair enough. It's, uh, <laughs> it's great. And, no, so I loved her performance, obviously. But then, so right afterwards, Julie Andrews comes out and she's, like, doing nominations for I don't know what. But hearing her say Grand Budapest Hotel <laughs> is the best shade, like, of the Rhone ever. And I was like, I'm like, I'm going to start calling it Istanbul also. <laughs> and just generally being a more cultured person. I love it. I happen to know this woman here who's like 88 years old and was for decades Julie Andrews' personal assistant. Um, and she has a whole room of her house that is covered in photos of her with Julie Andrews at various stages of Julie Andrews' life. And she has always had that, like, Lego man snap-on bob hair. Like, forever. Like, it is, <laughs> it is basically, like, I'm convinced it's a wig because it looks the same in every decade and every photo. And these are candids. This is not, you know, red carpet. She's, yeah, no, Julie Andrews is great. She just set everybody straight. This is, like, Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> Um, so yeah that's that's kind of it I don't know what do you want to do today I think maybe we can answer a couple of questions I can tell you about watching the Fifty Shades of Grey movie because I know you're never gonna watch it I mean while we're still talking about Oscars movies whatever I feel like we should just get this out of the way because I was we sort of half-assed we're like both of us will watch it and we'll talk about this on a later podcast but obviously I failed to complete my homework and I would prefer that you just tell me everything I need to know about Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay so I'm in a full disclosure here I obviously did not read the Fifty Shades of Grey book also wait pause I found out that it's not one book, Anne. It's three books. <laughs> Who knew, first of all? What? That there's like Buried three the books lead. worth of this garbage. So, so this is when somebody told like me, Twilight. <laughs> I know, except for, like, I, I don't know who the core audience of this is. I do remember the summer that it came out, and just there was a day at the beach where I was reading a New Yorker. And I looked around to everybody else was reading Fifty Shades, including ladies on their Kindles. And I thought it was amazing. And I was like, I'm doing the beach completely wrong. I've never read the, I've never read the books, but I think that this is why I probably enjoy, like, I enjoyed the movie better than anybody who's read the books. I mean, that not that always the way it doesn't have so much to live up to? I guess so, right? But I'm very familiar with the Wikipedia plot. Great. Anything I don't read, I like plot out on wikipedia what's up divergent what's up twilight like caught up on those plots important um (laughs) where do i even start so (laughs) characters (laughs) the girl's name is anastasia lol lol and the dude is uh christian so anastasia and christian just so you know christian gray so it takes place in a (laughs) private school in the 1990s (laughs) 
And this movie is 100% nuts slash LOL. <laughs> <laughs> like, every, just everything about it is crazy. I was really expecting, you know, like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was expecting to watch it and just be like, oh, man, this is, the you know, like, BDSM culture is crazy. Like, what's going on? But here's the deal. This movie is less about... BDSM than it is about stalking. This guy's 100% a stalker <laughs> when he is not engaging in um, his fetish. So he doesn't violate any of her boundaries, which is like fine. But when they're having like, supposed to be having like couple time, he goes a little, little crazy. This girl, Anastasia, also is the most skittish human in America. I don't, so many questions. At one point, he, like, buys her a new MacBook and a <laughs> car, you know, because he's, like, ostentatious show of money. But she uses this really shitty flip phone. <laughs> so I don't, I don't understand that. He's always wearing ripped 90s jeans, and he doesn't look really cool. Like, where the ass and the thighs are white, but the yeah, rest of them are like, dark. It's not okay. Also with her, like, the main question is, why is she entering into this, like, sub-dom relationship if she's so scared of everything? But on the flip on the flip side, she's very impressed with air travel. There's a lot of like really good travel scenes. Wait, how movie. old is she in this in this movie? How she's like fresh out of college. Okay. She like so she's supposed to be I guess twenty two thereabouts. Let's be real. Um, Not everybody had your international upbringing, and I by that by when I was that age, I think it, I'd been on a plane like four times total in all of my life, and I would have probably I mean, and- also been impressed. <laughs> I obviously tweeted to you that she reminds me a lot of you because, you know, you're both impressed by big city lights and big city peen. <laughs> because there's some scenes where she's wearing a top knot and she looks exactly like you, like top knot white t-shirt. I'm like, oh my God, I know this girl. You know, top knot white t-shirt, I mean, it is a look that served me well. And I have to now decide whether to abandon it now that it's gone Fifty Shades mainstream. <laughs> this is a tough call. So here's the thing. There's also no sex in this movie until 40 minutes in. What? <laughs> like, that's, like, that's the thing to remember. You have to suffer through all of this. Um, the most offensive thing about the movie is the just the brand, the brands. There's so much consumerism. It. I mean, I, I know that this is the way that Hollywood is doing movies now, but this was a lot. It was just, like, a lot. A so lot his ripped 90s jeans... Zeke yeah, Cabarici totally. So it's like beyond like very light bondage, and like you can tell that she's kind of a little bit into the spanking. She's totally creeped out by him, and then she like realizes that he's never going to be this like sweet romantic regular boyfriend that she wants. So she just like runs away, and also like fail. He's not very successful at dominating her. So all in all, <laughs> fail for like everyone. <laughs> Wow, it turns out when someone is not consenting to be dominated, they, like, are not, you know, it doesn't really work that well. They do stuff like run away. I know. But I was talking to a friend of mine who is, like, really into, like, this is her lifestyle. She's into BDSM relationships. And she was telling me that what Anastasia is doing, it's called topping from the bottom. Oh, like being a bossy bottom or something? Yes. So she's, like, outlining the ways that, like, she would consent. Um, She'd consent to be topped by him, which basically, like, it keeps the submissive in control of the entire scene. 
Which is interesting. I don't buy it because, like, the acting is so terrible, <laughs> but I buy that generally as, like, a form of relationship. Right. I was going to say um, that that might be the first account I've ever heard from someone who would consider themselves part of the BDSM community who is not like, oh my god, Fifty Shades is getting it all wrong. No, totally. So she was telling me that she actually enjoyed the movie, but she would never defend it in public, which I think is just great. She thinks that, like, the movie, like, does... I'm pulling up a note from her... Let's see. She was like, she feels that the movie does like a really good job of explaining like his sexual desires and and how his like desire to inflict pain isn't like about hurting her. This wasn't in the movie, but I think it's in the book where uh, he says something like, I, you know, like I am not in it for the black and blue. I just want the pink. Oh. <laughs> it's like kind of sweet. Um, You know, I like... The thing that was really hard for me to reconcile is that, like, obviously I am pro-BDSM, like, in anybody's relationship, but this movie was so much more about how he's a really controlling partner in the non-sexual parts of their relationship. Right. And that was just, like, really hard. That was really hard to watch. But, all, yeah. And uh, apparently in the books, she, like, frequently calls him a stalker, and she refers to his behavior as, quote, controlling and bossy. But they don't do that in the movie. You just infer it. And every time they do it in the movie, it's played for laughs. Oh. I was like, man, stalking is such a problem in this country, and this is, like, part of it. Oh. So, you know, but also, like, here's the deal. I'm not going to judge, like, be any kind of BDSM relationship based on this movie, because, like, you know, like, they don't take my romance clues from love, actually. So, like, I'm not going to take romance clues from Fifty Shades. Like, that's fine. <laughs> um, What's the sign in love, actually? To me, you are perfect. To me, you are perfect. <laughs> you know, like, that's great. Basically, if you want to watch a really good movie about this kind of sexual relationship, I would recommend Secretary, which is very sexy and great. Which was actually um, filmed in the 90s, right? <laughs> I know, um, right? I think so. Or early 2000s. Fifty Shades is like, yeah, Fifty Shades is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And the thing that was so funny is that, like, I came out of the theater, like, glowing, beaming, so happy. All of the groups of friends that were in there were so upset. Because they, it was, like, not a fun group movie. Like, no, genuinely disappointed. Like, you just hear all the conversations that I overheard were, this is not like the book. This wasn't as sexy or steamy as I thought it would be. And I was like, well, listen, I could have told you that when this movie was rated R and not NC-17, like, you were not going to see anything super sexy. Yeah, it's it's a pretty long movie, and I think there's, like, less than 20 minutes of, like, sexy time. I'm just thinking about this idea, too, of, like, the book setting a really high standard. And maybe that's why this doesn't come close to, like, a magic mic for (laughs) crowd-pleasing appeal. Because... You know, there's like, there's no way to have any preconceived notion of what it's supposed to be. Like, I saw Magic Mike in a group of women, and there were no think pieces about it. It was so much more than I ever expected it to be. Although now I'm wondering... I love this. The high standard of Fifty Shades of Grey, the book. I mean, yes. The super high standard. Like, there's actually something to be disappointed by. But now I'm sort of like, I wonder if there's a novelization of Magic Mike that I could read. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of Magic Mike think pieces. Yeah, but like, like later. Definitely. I, feel like, I feel like they kind of came after the fact. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering because it was... Well, but that's because Magic Mike wasn't a book. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, here's what I will say. If this movie is ever at any point on demand while you're at a fancy hotel, by all means, order a cheese plate, get some wine, and lull your head off. Right. 
do not pay money to see this movie. Um, I also watched that same week the J Lo uh, um, teacher. Oh my god, like, Boy Next movie. Door. Boy Next Door, and that was just as hilarious. That movie is relentless. It's so ridiculous. You know, J Lo like put up the money for that movie herself. The studio was like, "Eh, J Lo, you can't carry." A yeah, movie you know anymore. why? Because J Lo has infinity dollars. I mean, obviously, all those fragrances. <laughs> yeah, all of her fragrances. Also, she looks so good at the Oscars. Dear God. And she was sitting next to Meryl Streep. I'm like, I wonder what they thought. Who about. did her boob contouring? Because the, sh- like, the shading on those boobs was like Kardashian level. Yeah, no. Her boobs were almost as good as Oprah's. And Oprah always has the best boobs anywhere she goes. Mm, luminous. Luminous. I'll send you a gif of like Oprah's boobs just like heaving. Please. It's incredible. Please. Maybe we should take some questions. I know. Let's take many questions. Oh, I have one. Great. Hi, Aminatu and Anne. I was wondering if you two could weigh in on the 21st century struggles of a woman deciding whether to change your name on marriage. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> part of me is <laughs> part of me is sh- chafing. Yes, me too. At the thought, but I but I also see the appeal of having one family surname if I decide to have kids in a couple of decades. <laughs> I just spent all afternoon trying to find out if my married name is available as an email address. So the tech issues are on my mind, too. Thanks for being role models to us, baby. 24-year-old feminists. Aww. Uh, love baby feminists. But I have, I have many things to say about this. I mean, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> and throwing me under the bus. All right, you want me so, to go first? <laughs> so here's the deal. I think that everybody should be able to do whatever they want with their last names. This is America. That said, (laughs) deciding to change your name is a very political thing, whether you think that it is or not. Personally, like I'm going to, I'm going to tackle the tech issue first. I have great SEO under this name. So I'm obviously keeping this name forever. Right. We're both all in on our current names. Like, yeah. Anybody no... who marries me is going to have to be Mr. Aminatu. So right. Like, let's, you know, like, let's be real here. Cry it from my cold dead. <laughs> I know. He's probably not born yet, but you know. <laughs> um, this. So this is the thing. Here is the thing that I do not understand at all. And maybe like a married can explain this to me. When people get married and they change their names, I support them if they decide to. I don't understand why they also have to change their email address. Do you think that people won't remember your last name? Don't you remember when everybody was like starfish87 at yahoo.com? Like, like, I don't understand why like first.last is... Like, that's a really weird email convention that carries into marriage. Like, I, I've never understood that, like, for the life of me, why you would change your email address to reflect your new name. It's true. It's definitely a thing that, in my fairly conservative, the social world of my conservative upbringing, I, there were a couple of women who were, like, my parents' age who didn't it was like they had a professional name and then they were like actually Mrs. So-and-so when they were at the bake sale or whatever 
And somebody wrote a Times op-ed about this, about how she had chosen these two different names and how it, like, eventually made her feel kind of crazy and that she wished she had just stuck with one or the other. But I don't think anything, like, no choice solves all problems you're talking about. Like, all adult things, you have to decide what set of downsides you want to deal with. And it's not just, like, changing your email address, but, I mean, because obviously that's totally optional. But... Do you want people primarily thinking of you as so-and-so's spouse and, like, you know, or do you want to throw away whatever SEO you've built up? I know, right? I'm like, by all means, if you're trying to run away from the law, like, feel free to change your name. Oh, please. Um, Or if you have, like... You know, I I just pulled up a thing that um, our homie Jill Filipovich wrote about this a couple of years ago because I remember the lead, like, so crystal clear in my head. (laughs) and I'm going to read it to you please she's like excuse me while I play the cranky feminist for a minute but I'm disheartened every time I sign into Facebook and see a list of female names I don't recognize you got married congratulations but why in 2013 lolol does getting married mean giving up the most basic marker of your identity and if family unity is so important why don't men ever change their names this is the other thing that I don't understand like people and maybe somebody with children can also explain this to me People who go, I want to have the same last name as my kids. I'm like, do you think that people will think that you stole your children because you don't have the same last name as them? But, but I and do if think, they think that, why does it matter? I do think that that little passage you read exposes this contradiction because it simultaneously says your name is this is this very, very core thing about you, which for some people it is. Like, for you and me, clearly it is. For some people, it's not. For some people, it's like, Mm -hmm. this is my asshole stepdad's name that I randomly ended up with, and I don't care. Um, Or, like, you know, I don't have a connection to my name for professional reasons. Like, I actively look forward to the day when I have an opportunity to change it. And then the question about kids of, like, you know, your kids are going to know you no matter what. Like, that's also true. But I feel like that's almost an argument for the lack of importance of a name and not an argument for why you should hold on to the one you were born with. I have a lot of friends who, when they have gotten married, they've both changed their names Mm -hmm. um, to like, either they've hyphenated like both names or they've like made some sort of hybrid name. And then that's what their children will have also, Mm -hmm. which I think is a good, you know, like that's a good feminist workaround, Mm -hmm. you know, but like, I don't know. I also kind of want to be sensitive too to people who have really, um, who have, like, really difficult identities with their names, right? Right, like, exactly. If you, if you don't come from a family background where, you know, like, you're proud of the name that you have or that's, you know, you don't have a relationship with the people who gave you that name, I get that. And, you know, like, your name is your identity, whether you like your name or not. Uh, it's it's really tied into that. But it is maddening that in all of these scenarios, women's are, women are the ones that predominantly change their names. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to think about if, let's say, you normally like your name and you feel attached to whatever its sort of family history or, like, you know, personal connotation is, and you're still asking these questions about how do I have family unity, it's probably worth asking, oh, well, why am I the one to give up this name, for example? No, totally. Also, let me give you a changing your name with the bank or the credit card company, Dianu. Good luck doing that. That stuff takes forever. It's such a pain in your butt. 
And again, like just a thing that like women are expected to do. Although U.S. government middle fingers all around makes all of that cheaper and easier if you do it at the moment you get married, as opposed to doing it when you say change your gender presentation or when no, you, you no, know, I totally you agree. Yeah. I, yeah, no, it's like the government should make it easier for everybody to change their names. Uh, reminds me of that Friends episode where Phoebe realizes that you can change your name to anything. And she wants to be Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. <laughs> the DMV. Um, top five Friends episodes. So good. So, you know, back to this listener. Obviously, I am sorry this is giving you grief. I um whatever you decide to do, I strongly encourage you to keep your same email address. You can just change your name in the sender name thing. Because also really nobody remembers anybody's email. It's like phone numbers now. You just have autocomplete for that. It's true. I don't know. And I also think that the reason why people talk about this stuff a lot is because it's this seemingly not that important thing. I mean, obviously it's important, but that is a window into other often invisible relationship power dynamics. And I think that in some ways, this conversation about, you know, whose name, what do we name our hypothetical children in a million decades is a nice little trial conversation for the future. Hey, uh, you make more money than I do, but I still don't want to be the one to quit my job because childcare is really expensive, for example, that can feel a lot harder to challenge. So I feel like it's like practice, practice run feminist convo in relationships. Yeah. Woof. So hard. So it's so, so hard. Stick into your guns. I mean, it's, I guess it's one of those things too, where I have no idea what, I mean, I do, I do, I was much more militant at 24 than I am now. So I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have wanted to change my name even then. But now it's like, you know, again, thank you, SEO. It's just like, it wouldn't even be close to on the table. Like, it's not even the same room as the table that I would ever change my name. (laughs) It's like in another state from the table. Yeah, no, right? I'm just a big fan of consolidating all of your, your online presences under one umbrella. Although real talk, though, there was this woman in my hometown who was about my grandma's age, who name was Rosie Butt, and she married into the Butt family. And when I was a kid, it like that was a baby feminist moment where I was like, Rosie Butt actively changed her name to Rosie Butt. It was like Rosie Miller, and she had to go to the courthouse and sign paperwork to say to the world, I would like you to refer to me as Rosie Butt. They wouldn't have let that fly in France. They would have told her that it's going to cause her problems. Um, you know, all of this talk of names, though, I uh, I think that, like, when I go through my citizenship stuff, because here's the other time that they make it really easy to change your name, is ah. when you're, uh, when, for immigration purposes. They're always trying to push, uh, trying to push like American names on you. They're like, aren't you sure you don't want to be Kimberly or Tiffany? And then you realize why so many immigrants have kind of the same name sometimes. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Um, shady. But I don't have a middle name because I don't come from a culture with middle names. And I was like, maybe I'm going to have a middle name. Do you have any contenders? I mean, I feel like we've talked about this before. I just want something expensive sounding, like Dior or Chanel. <laughs> I mean, both would, would sound incredible. Or Cartier. <laughs> and we're 
we're back to brown to branded baby names so <laughs> branded baby names no it's true when i was in college my friend eddie and i would throw this like joint birthday party that was always country club themed and my middle name for that was bernadette and i secretly <laughs> still love it <laughs> i also love that name I know, it's good. It's like a great old lady name. It's so perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to this uh, 24-year-old baby feminist. Make good choices. Stay true to your digital self. You're going to be okay, girl. And also don't make choices for future children you don't have. Like, make choices based on a relationship you have today. Like, I And are you kidding me? Everything I buy is for the future children I don't have. What are you talking about? I can't hear this. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know you're joking. I can't even (laughs) handle the joke. (laughs) Please. My kids are going to love all this Eileen Fisher I bought. It's going to be great. Yes. (laughs) All right. Do we want to have another question? I feel like we there. This is kind of a general question we got that is like, I I feel like it's a good Q1 question while we're still in the early get organized part of the year. Which is just, if you can give any practical life advice about money management and any tools you use, I would appreciate. (laughs) Oh my god, nightmare. I mean, I feel like you have all kinds of apps and shit that you use (sighs) for this. I know, but it's because I'm so bad at money. I basically have to trick myself into money. So here's my problem. I think that... I like I grew up in a house where we like kind of didn't talk about money and also... Um, my mom was like a wonderful, like human who, even though we grew up with not a lot of money, never made us feel like that was a problem. Mm-hmm. But I think that not talking to kids about money also creates like money problems down the road. For a long time, my whole life was, oh, when I get a paycheck, I have to use all of it before the next paycheck comes. <laughs> <laughs> like always playing the game of like, Ooh, how close to zero can I get until I get paid in two Fridays again? I have recently learned that this is not the right way to live your life. <laughs> it came as a shock to me. So, and um, also at my first job out of college, a woman gave me like the Susie Orman Women in Money book. And Susie Orman has a lot of problems, aka she's a crazy person. <laughs> and but... she's also kind of evil. But I actually really recommend that book to, like, anybody who cares about personal finance. Also, my fear of, like, hashtag alone forever lifestyle means that I'm, like, obsessed with personal finance. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So I, I I have a lot of, like, tricks. I, I used to use Mint, but I don't anymore because it really stresses me out. Like, <laughs> again, you know, like, th- this is where I'm exposing how bad at money I, I was. I was also one of those people that was terrified about checking my bank account. I just would know by the size of the pit in my stomach, like, how much money I had or not. Right. This is not a good way to live your life. Again, things I'm finding out. (laughs) Um, So I don't use Mint for, like, different reasons, mostly because, like, they own your data, and I I don't like that at all. Mm -hmm. But um, I know a lot of people that do and like it. I basically do most of my shopping online. I don't remember the last time I exchanged cash with somebody for a service. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. So I use this app called One Receipt that actually I found out about from Sheila Hetty, LOL. (laughs) Let let the freelancers in your life tell you how to do money. It's great. And uh, what One Receipt does is that it basically mines your email for all of the receipts that you have. And it tells you, like, how much money you're spending and how that's changing time over time. But also then you have this, like, 
great archive of where all of your receipts live for when you need to do taxes and stuff like that. What else? I read this blog called The Billfold religiously because it's all about how to do money. And uh, they actually have like some really great interviews about how like different kinds of people do money. And I dabble with those every once in a while. My whole thing is for saving. I make up a savings account for everything I need to save towards. Like I have a saving fund that's like just for weddings. I have a savings fund for the shoes I want to buy next week. I have a savings fund for the trip I'm going on this summer. Like I have to trick myself into like doing money. Otherwise I just, I can't. Um, that's not a trick. That's just a budget. <laughs> I mean, no, that's a trick. A budget is like one spreadsheet. Like my spreadsheet has spreadsheets. Um, I mean, that's just an advanced budget. <laughs> I think you're actually really good at this. I mean, it's because, you know, I I have a champagne taste on uh, however that thing goes. Champagne taste on a whatever I don't budget. remember. Right. I I was at a coffee shop today and I overheard some marketing guy pitching two owners of a clothing store on why he should run their Instagram feed. And he used that exact line. (laughs) So you guys are selling champagne taste on a whatever budget. And I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. On a Cheetos budget or or something. Like Heinz tomato ketchup budget or something. (laughs) Like on like very, very unclear what that thing is. Um. Hold on, I feel like I need to pull up my phone because there are apps I use. I mean, you have more apps than anyone I know on your phone. That's actually not true, but I have a lot of apps. I use most of them. <laughs> you don't know how many apps the people I know have. It was a relative <laughs> This comment. is true. I was looking at a friend's phone the other day and she had like four apps and I was like, what are you doing with your life? Okay, I take it all back. Here are all the money apps I use <laughs> under my <laughs> bag of money, bag of money, bag of money emoji uh, folder. <laughs> <laughs> There's my bank. There's Splitwise for keeping track of things that you use with friends. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend Splitwise. Um, also Venmo because who doesn't love Lucas from Venmo? And, OMG. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. And one receipt. Well, I cut back a lot of these apps. Yeah, this is good. These are all my tricks. Right. I feel like I didn't get good at money until I became a freelancer and... Anytime you're like, oh, money just doesn't replenish itself in my account every two weeks, you might be like, okay, like I cut it pretty close in between paychecks. But if you have my a salary job and yeah, well, if you have a salary job and the same amount is showing up on the same date, it's it's totally different than if, you know, you are making your money spread across 25 different clients or businesses and you have to keep track of what's out and what's coming in. I feel like that was the first time in my life I really started paying attention to my money, which is not to say that I'm good at it now, but it is it is significantly um, more dangerous to not pay attention to money if you're a freelancer. It's kind of not an option. You know, I really want to distinguish between like money that is like spending money and then like money that is money for retirement. <laughs> those things are those things like tend to be different. So while I am reckless with my everyday money and I, you know, I like down to a dollar before my next paycheck comes, retirement when you have an office job is <laughs> at least is a thing that like they make like semi easy for you to do, but nobody demystifies like how to save for retirement, right? Like nobody's really explaining it to you. Also, when I had an office job, I never, I mean, mostly I worked for nonprofits or really small businesses, but I never had an employer who contributed to my retirement. Oh, so, that's so evil. Now, so once, the fir- 
That's crazy. So the first thing that I will say before I even get into retirement is that everybody should read this book by uh, Helene Olin called Pound Foolish. That's all about like the cult of personal finance and how it's all garbage because um, <laughs> like you don't need Susie Orman to give you advice. You need the government to make it better for you to save. That's my like one big caveat on that because I feel like we talk a lot about like personal finance gurus and she just really dismantles like that whole thing and that chapter seven in that book is my favorite it's like one of my favorite things I've read my entire life where she's just like basically you need to only give your money to people who have like a fiduciary duty not to fuck you over (laughs) so like that's the way to do it that said I will plug one personal finance guru that I love this is actually my internet boyfriend that I'm sharing with all of you his name is and the name of his blog is Mr. Money Mustache (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Money Mustache helped me get my money right in like 2013, 2014. It's very exciting. So this dude, Pete, and his family like live in Colorado. And he is basically like believes in like engineered saving and like being very, 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 very frugal. He has like a wife and and a child, so three of them. Oh my god, his tagline is early retirement through badassery. Yeah, no, totally. He retired, like, I don't know, at, like, 30, and, like, they've paid their house off. Sorry. And I think last year they spent, like, $25,000, like, between the three of them. So, obviously, like, it sounds very crazy austere. I I like nice things. (laughs) But, um... There, like his advice is like very pointed and it's very good and it's really personally for me it's been like super super helpful. It's like the honey badger approach to like your money. It's perfect. Oh my god! Now I have to read this blog that has a wood paneling theme. And I have the biggest crush on Mister Money Mustache, and not just because he's good with money. Is it the top he- hat? Oh, it's everything. He has that like beautiful mustache, you know. But he has a wife. I'm just waiting it out. I'm waiting it out. What do you always say? (laughs) Wives are Um, fences, not doors. Okay, first of all, it's girlfriends. (laughs) Girlfriends are fences, not walls. And I cannot believe you made me say that out loud (laughs) to the internet. Um, That's another personal inside joke. We don't believe in breaking up anybody's relationship. Never. We would never. You know, and though, I totally have a thing for like nerds that are good with money, though. Remember my Peter Orzag blog? I do. That's an internet deep cut. I know, orzagasm. I put that man on the map sexually. That's true. Um, so yeah, and he's good with dollars too. We're Facebook friends. His vacations are great. I have no um, doubt. He probably saves for them. <laughs> he probably does. He probably has like 17 savings accounts like me. Yep. So yeah, it's like money. money is really tough. And I find that like it is really hard to find like good information about money. It's also totally tied into like this culture of like shame and secrecy like I was really lucky enough to graduate college with zero debt because I was an international student so I couldn't have like student loans you know so I I was really poor in college but then I came out of college and I was like oh I don't have this like massive student debt that like most of the people that are my age have and it's been really interesting over the last like 10 years just keeping up with friends with like that stuff and seeing how it is there's so much secrecy around it and there's so much shame around it. And I just wish people would talk about money more. The other book that I'm reading right now is by Ron Lieber, who writes for the New York Times. Um, he has this column. He has a money column on the New York Times. But he wrote this book called The Opposite of Spoiled, 
that is incredible. It's basically how to talk to your kids about money and like the values around money. And I really wish this book existed when I was growing up because clearly I needed it a lot and uh, have a lot of catching up to do. But uh, yeah, another thing I recommend is reading. And I would I'm just say, like, hey, here's the money you need to spend to be good at money. <laughs> these <laughs> these two three books. books. The two books. I, sound, I sound like one of those late night commercials. Do you have hidden money somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> Group accountability. I feel like I finally got it together in the past year to save for retirement because even as a freelancer, obviously, no one is prompting you to set aside money. And I did it because another friend of mine who's self-employed was like, I'm going to read this 101 basic guide to like how to save for retirement on your own when you can't afford a financial planner. And what is like the easiest, safest way to do that? And do you want to be a reading buddy and check in on the phone every couple of weeks? And that was kind of a revelation where I never would have made time. I like would download a PDF and leave it on my desktop for months and months. But if I know I have to get on the phone with her and talk about it, then... You know, and it has actually led me to, like, save money. No, that's so good. I, yeah, no, I have two lady friends that I do this with. They're my money inspiration, and they're so good at it. Um, so <laughs> it's good to, it's good to, like, keep up with them. I feel like I was going to say something else. Oh, if you can afford to go to a financial planner, which most people can, actually, it was not expensive at all. I would also really recommend that because my entire life, I, I'm just like, the most expensive thing I own is my computer. Like, I don't need, like, I'm never going to own a home. I can't have a financial planner. I went to talk to one. Clearly, he laughed me out of his office, but I got a lot of really good advice. And yeah, no, the financial planner was talking reckless. He was like, here's where you need to be at to afford a house. And then I like snort laugh so hard. I was like, buy a house. <laughs> like, no way. That's not going to happen. But you know, they like fill your head with ideas and hope, but also <laughs> give you the real talk that you need to hear. I got some real talk from my financial planner because I found a 401k I didn't know I had from a job I had for a very short period of time. Everything else I was really aware of, but this like one 401k, it was so tiny, like no joke. And I was like, oh, I could just cash that in and like buy this pair of shoes I really want. And he was like, this is not what to do. Also, he nixed my idea of like cashing in my stock for, uh, for the throwing my 30th birthday party. Oh, this is, the, this is the real talk I need. This is the real talk I need for, you know, when I buy my retirement home in Big Sur. <laughs> You shouldn't invite Mr. Money Mustache. Uh, Mr. Money Mustache is married, so I will not be making any kind of overtures. Did she keep him. her name? Or is she Mrs. Money Mustache? <laughs> she is Mrs. Money Mustache. Okay. Everything I said to the previous listener, I like do not stand by if I get married to Mr. Money Mustache. <laughs> I want to be Mrs. Money Mustache. <laughs> Everybody has a price, and this is my price. It's pretty low, let's be real. <laughs> Amina Money Mustache? Are you kidding me? That's a great name. I bet that isn't taken in Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. I like to make money get turned. I like to make money get turned. I like to make money get turned. Got the white girl talking like the work. I like to make money get turned. So all of this to say, money is really hard. Do a lot of reading on the internet. 
Don't believe anything Susie Orman or Dave Ramsey tell you, or believe it with the tiny grain of salt. Just right. plan really hard, but also know that like the forces of evil are conspiring against you saving for retirement ever. Right, like all those graphs about inequality, like you can't overcome that with smart saving. Like, <laughs> No, totally. This is like, this is why I love Helene Olin so much, because she goes on this whole rant about like the... You know, like, don't drink that latte. You're saving $5 a day or whatever. That thing that Oprah made very popular. It's really the one beef I have with Oprah. I can't believe I'm going to say this about Queen Oprah on the air. It's the one beef I have with Oprah because, like, you know, how many coffees do you have to not drink to, like, pay your rent? (laughs) You know, it's not like that one coffee is the problem or that one manicure is the problem. But But, yeah. When I get to retirement age and have no money, I'll be like, but I saved one latte a week. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's also... What is that blog called? I don't read it, but I feel that a lot of people like it. Um, Daily Worth. Oh, I don't know it. That, like, yeah, I've heard, like, some great things about that. I'm going to look it up now. Yes. Daily Worth. Financial and career advice for babes. That's not their actual tagline. That's my tagline for them. I hear really good things, and I'm signing up for the newsletter right now. Great. Okay, good luck with your money, (laughs) boo-boo. Good luck managing all those money apps you're about to download. I know. Or you could just do my retirement strategy. Work every day until I'm 82 and then die the next day. Like, that's what I'm planning to do. I mean, there's no retirement for freelance journalists. I'm like, luckily, I'll just be dictating things, like, into whatever it is we're supposedly writing on or reading journalism on when I'm 80 until I pass out. Amazing. Do you want to tell people where to find us? Oh, we are so everywhere on the internet at callyourgirlfriend.com, on Twitter at callyrgf. You can also email us at, is it callyrgf at gmail.com? I mean, (laughs) everywhere. And then also in iTunes, of course, which here's a friendly reminder to leave us a good rating because that would be really nice, even though your emails are probably better. I know. That's it. Okay, bro. I love you. I'll see you on the internet. See you on the internet.